Good morning, New Life Manitou. My name is Danae Glass. Would you please stand for the scripture reading? Today's reading is from John 4, verses 1 through 26. So bear with me. Now Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that he was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John, although in fact it was not Jesus who baptized, but his disciples. So he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, Go, call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, You are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you have had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me. A time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming, and has now come, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the Spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is Spirit, and His worshipers must worship in the Spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah, called Christ, is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, am he. Let's pray. Lord, we want to encounter you as you encountered this woman many years ago. Lord, we are open to you. We say, Holy Spirit, you are here. Lord, we want to encounter you. For your name's sake, Lord, we praise you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And God's people shouted, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. 
We're starting, we actually started last week a sermon series called Encounters with Jesus. If you were here last week, we talked about Jesus and John the Baptist. And today we are going to talk about the woman at the well, aka the Samaritan woman. And this is one of those stories that as a congregation, New Life Manitou, we talk about this and we did talk about this. It's kind of just in our DNA as a congregation, because guess what? Manitou is full of uh, springs and little creeks and it's known for waters and here here, there is metaphor and, and uh, knowledge about what Jesus is saying, and it has to do with water. So we're going to talk about this encounter and start this series uh, last week, and it'll go to Christmas encounters with Jesus. And I want to make a silly comparison this morning with encountering the Almighty God to, forgive me, encountering famous people. Has anyone ever met a famous person? A couple hands. Oh, lots of it. So raise your hand high. Be proud you saw a famous person. Um, Brad Pitt once told me you shouldn't name drop. <laughs> I just... <laughs> but I never met Brad Pitt. But I did live in L.A. So just pardon this. It is going somewhere. Uh, so we, we, I lived in L.A. finishing up seminary. My parents were helping me through seminary. I lived in Pasadena on Los Robles. And I would talk to friends, and they had all met. Like everyone in L.A., if you spend any time in L.A., it's just a matter of time before you get to encounter a famous person. And I was just enthralled by this. I'm easily entertained. I'm immature. And so I was like, I can't wait to meet a famous person. This is going to be awesome. And I would talk to people, and they would all have their... Their stories, and I had never met a famous person up until this point, and so I was just waiting for my story, and they said, oh, well, when you least expect it, and blah, 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 you'll see a famous person. So me and my other seminary buddy were riding on the 101 one afternoon, and we look over, and we saw a shiny uh, top-down car, and it looked cool. We're like, oh, that's a cool car. And we look in, and it was Matthew Perry from Friends. We're like, wow, well, look at that guy. And I'm not even a Friends fan, but we were like shaking each other. Oh, my gosh, it's Matthew Perry. And I would love to say that as a seminary student and a fellow seminary student, we were above all that. And like every creature that God has made, we're, uh, we're all special. But we were screaming like little girls, it's Matthew Perry, that's awesome. And we're trying to wave and catch up, but he was long gone. And I was telling people about that story. Like that was then my story. Like that's, I encountered a famous person and people would correct me. Well, you didn't encounter, that's called a sighting. I guess they have different words. <laughs> for this in LA if you, if you see famous people all the time. So you didn't encounter them, you just saw them, but don't worry, you will get to encounter a famous person, don't worry. And so my story, I will be brief, is um, I was surfing one time, uh, me and five of my friends, we all got into surfing and we were surfing at Sunset Beach, which as a sub point, it, to, to show you how young and foolish I was, there was a shark warning at Sunset Beach and we decided to go to Sunset Beach, because in our thing, you were like, it's going to be less crowded. And <laughs> one of my friends was like doing the stats. It's like, oh, it's, it's you know, you're better off getting you know, electrocuted on a, on a clear day than to be bit by a shark in LA County. And you're like, oh yeah, let's go to Sunset. So that's how silly I am, or was hopefully at least. And so we are surfing in Sunset Beach and there was, of course, hardly anybody there. And I look over and I see a guy who looks just like Adam Sandler. And I said, 
are you Adam Sandler? And he said, yeah, nice to meet you. And I said, my name's Joe Kurgendall. Nice to meet you. And then what came out of my mouth next, I wasn't quite sure. I was just rambling and like, a, you know, like someone that's seeing a movie star would act. And, and I, I was like, so you, you, you come here often? You surf here? I just, what do you say? And he's like, no, I'm just getting into surfing. Uh, go easy on me. Give me some pointers. So I'm giving Adam Sandler some pointers. True story. And I'm trying to get my attention on my friend. Who who are like I'm like I'm trying to be calm though and and and, and, and they don't notice what I'm trying to do and a, a big wave comes in my friend Brandon gets on the wave and if you are a surfer if someone's riding the wave then that wave is their wave yes you don't you don't snake someone's wave but Adam Sandler he didn't know this and so he snakes my friend Brandon Groza's wave and and Brandon jumps off his surfboard goes into the wash and he was like what the heck that guy and I was like that's not that guy that's Adam Sandler we start shaking each other screaming like little girls and that was my story and I encountered a famous person and I was ready for it I upon moving to LA this is the point here. Don't get lost uh, in the story. The point was I was ready. I was always like ready to experience. I was looking for it. Point one today, if you will excuse the comparison with encountering Almighty God with people who are in the entertainment world. Point number one is be open to encounter Christ. This woman who is at the well has no idea, apparently, that that she is speaking to Jesus, the Messiah, God himself. And yet, we know from the rest of the story, she does accept him. She does accept the teaching uh, and who he is. And so this woman, only because we know the rest of the story, she is ready that day at noon to encounter Christ. And I ask you this question, point one is be open. Are you open to encountering Christ? Let me read a bit of this. Danae did great. It's a long story. But looking at this verse here, it says, now we had to go through Samaria. So we came to a town in Samaria called Sychar. I'll tell you what that word means in just a little while. And it's near a plot of ground that Jacob, like going back to the Old Testament, Jacob had given to Joseph. Jacob's well was there. And Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was at noon. And I'll talk about noon in just a second. Then a Samaritan woman came to draw water. Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan. How is it you can ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. We'll talk about that in just a minute as well. But here, John, and we're going to look at quite a few stories of encounters between Jesus and people in the gospel of John. John is painting for us a picture. He is copying a motif from the Old Testament. If you know your Old Testament stories, you know that there's quite a few stories where husbands meet their wives at wells. Uh, Abraham sends his servant and for Isaac, and Isaac meets Rebekah. Uh, or I, I, Abraham's servant meets Rebekah for Isaac at a well. Jacob meets uh, his to-be to wife, Rachel, at a well. Moses meets her, his husband. Moses meets his wife. Did I say that right? I do a lot of weddings, and I mix it up at weddings sometimes, and everyone just laughs, and I have no idea why they're laughing, because I mix up the things. Anyways, uh, Moses meets his wife, Zipporah, at a at a well. And so here's this story. Uh, wells are where godly men meet women destined by God to accompany them. 
If you read these stories in the Old Testament, wells, these places, are where godly men meet women destined by God to accompany them. And this story isn't a romantic story like the other ones. This story is of a godly man, Jesus, God himself, by the way, uh, meeting a woman destined by God to be a part of his story, the gospel, the good news. This is what John is painting for us, this picture of an unlikely hero, this woman who comes at noon. We'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, This woman who's a Samaritan. We'll talk about that in a minute. An unlikely hero becomes what many people say. This is actually the first evangelist in the gospel. Before the disciples are sent out, before Peter says, proclaims that Jesus is the Christ, this woman gets to know that and she proclaims it. And so what we're seeing here is a wonderful encounter, uh, a metaphor for all of humanity of how we encounter God himself. Have you ever had a moment in your life where you've encountered God. Probably many of you have multiple stories where you encountered someone, something uh, in prayer, a, an experience where you encountered God and you were never the same. I was thinking through my life, just thanking God for different encounters that I had. And I was remembered uh, a friend of mine who had a, a wonderful encounter a couple years ago. He's now a missionary in Nepal. He often watches on podcasts. So Kevin Pearson If you're watching, shout out to you. He's overseas right now. And he, many years ago, was, was, went to Nepal, came back, uh, was, attended a Bible study, then went to church. And this person that was at the Bible study saw him at church and came up to him and said, I think I have a prophetic word for you. And my friend Kevin, who's just very laid back and uh, <laughs> just said, uh, okay, uh, this is weird. Um, and the, the person said this, he said, um, I, I, I think that the Lord is going to use you to do God's work in another country. And she said, that's it. D- does that make any sense to you? And he, he, that moment became an encounter with the Lord that would end up changing his life. He had already kind of, God was already pulling at his heart to serve overseas and in Nepal specifically. And this was like the one final tug where he looks back at this moment and just says, that was an encounter with God through this person who gave me a, a very short, but a very pointed prophetic word. And it ends up changing his life. He's over there right now. I think about times in my life where I've slowed down enough on a, on a seemingly normal day and just asked the question, Lord, what are you doing here? I think about a couple years ago, uh, I was very excited to go uh, deep sea fishing. It was the first time that I can remember I went deep sea fishing out of South Carolina. Um, uh, it, it was me, my buddy, my bud, his buddies, uh, let's see, me, my buddy, my buddy's dad, and my buddy's friend's dad's friend, Four guys. I don't know what I just said there, but four guys. We all knew each other. We, we were going to get, it, it ended up being like one, just a comedy of errors trying to go fishing. So we tried to get there really early, like hours and hours before daylight to get out uh, far enough to catch the big ones. And so we all met and somebody was late and they were quite a bit late. And we were just all thinking like, I didn't get out of bed this early just to wait in the parking lot for somebody. And, and instantly in my head, I always quote uh, that line from uh, River Run through it. There's three things we're never late for. Work, church. Do you not know this quote? 
and fishing. And so I, in my head is this quote, we're just like waiting for this guy, like already kind of getting mad. And finally he shows up. He's like, I'm so sorry. He's like, fine, let's get the boats. We get the stuff, we get ready. And my friend's idea was we were going to cast net off the dock. He had never done this, but cast net for minnows. And so we start cast netting because he always sees minnows under the dock. And we're trying to catch some minnows and the net rips and we don't catch any minnows. So now it's like, great. Now what? Do we go out and fish with no bait on our hooks? Like that's silly. We need bait. So we go to a bait shop. And guess what? The bait shop's closed because bait shops don't open that early. So we had to wait another 45 minutes. And so by this time, we're just like, come on. What is going on? We get back to the dock. We get to the boat. And I realize I had forgot to buy my fishing license. So I tell the guys, hey, guys, we're already having a great morning. Uh, I forgot to buy my fishing license. And so now we're all like, what do we do? Do we go out anyways? Does Joe not fish? Do we go out anyways? And Joe fishes and maybe gets in trouble. And we're all Christians. One of the guys is a pastor. And we're all talking about, okay, what? Uh, me and this other guy, we're a pastor. What's the right thing to do? The right thing is to go get the fishing license. So we leave the dock once again. Go get the fishing license. Come back. Go to start the boat. And it's boop, 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 boop. <laughs> it doesn't start. And we, it's just four grown men throwing a hissy fit was what it was. And the, the, my friend's dad, who's a pastor, just says this simple thing. And it's something that I ask myself. It be, it's it like is in, in etched in my mind because the morning we weren't thinking anything about God or spiritual things. We were just like cursing and throwing hissy fits. And, and he says this, he says, uh, he sa- first he says, it seems like, it seems like uh, we're getting slowed down this morning. And like, are you kidding? Of course, that's the whole thing. It's not the debate. And it's like, ah, oh, gosh. And he says, what? He just says this. And it, we all just sunk and we're like, oh, yeah. He just says, what do you think the Lord is doing right now? And it was just a simple question, but it was, it was a prophetic word that was the right word at the right time. And we were all just like, yeah, like, why are we getting so mad? We, we get to be out here. We're about to experience God's creation. And what is the Lord doing? It was quiet. And somebody says, I think the Lord is just trying to slow us down and say, it's, it's not about the fish we catch. It's about him and his creation. And it's about us and, and maybe each other and this team. Uh, and I think it's, I think, we, we have our, you know, our priorities wrong this morning. And it, yeah, and then we started apologizing. The guy was late. I'm sorry, I'm late. Listen, it's okay. Sorry, I forgot my license. And people are like, yeah, it's okay. It's, listen, things happen. Sorry, the, the debate thing didn't work. Yeah, it's okay. Um, and it was th- this, this pause and someone said, can I pray? And they started praying and it was just like, okay, now let, let's think about this day. Let's Let's calm down and think about this day as, continuing to ask the question, what is the Lord doing here? And then we just started thinking, right? Like, like, oh, that, it, we have the wrong battery. That's the auxiliary battery. We need to use this battery. Start at the end. Okay. And then we got out the end of the stories. We got out there, we caught fish, but that's just this memory that I have. Maybe you have memories like that where in the midst of something, in the midst of life, we encounter God and it slows us down. This woman here is encountering God and Jesus meets her where she is. And point number two is this, wording it this this way, Jesus meets us where we are. Jesus meets us where we are. Let's talk about some of the details of this story. It happens in the area of Samaria. If you would like a silly pastor joke, Samaria is not just some area. I don't. I gotta. <laughs> uh, 
So Samaria, there was a lot of racism at the time for Samaritans and Jews. And it even says that here in this text. Samaria, if you want a one-minute history lesson, back in the 900s BC, 900 years before Jesus comes, the the kingdom splits, Israel splits the northern Israel kingdom and the southern kingdom of Judah, and Jerusalem's in the south, and the temple's in the south, and the kingdoms of the north. They do not follow the ways of the Lord. The kings are evil, every one of them. They go worshiping other gods besides Yahweh. And then uh, the date here, 722, Assyrians come in and they decimate the northern kingdom, what in Jesus's time will be called Samaria. They pull out everyone who's rich, everyone who's educated, anyone who's someone, anyone who's influences. They pull them back to Assyria and leave behind the lame, the sick, the the elderly, the, the weak, the poor, the, I'm using air quotations, the nobodies. God doesn't consider them nobodies, but in the world that they lived in, they left behind the nobodies. And those nobodies, um, were interbred with Assyrians, and so they basically got bred out. It was the, the nobody's half-breeds. And so there was a lot of racism between Jews at the time of Jesus and these half-breed nobodies, at least in their ancestry. And Jesus, by the way, is not racist. He, he breaks the code that there was supposed to be racism. And as your pastor, if you would look at me, there's never a reason to be racist. Uh, that It's just a horrible thing. And so Jesus interacts with this woman and she seems so surprised that, she, that he is even talking to her. Verse 13 here says, Jesus answers. They get into this conversation about the water. Everyone who drinks this water, the well, the well water, will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Imagine someone saying that to you in a conversation. Like, okay, indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water. Like Manitou has springs welling up to eternal life. Look, think about that metaphor. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water that I don't, won't get thirsty and have to come, keep coming here to draw water. He told her, go call your husband and come back. She replied, I have no husband. Jesus says to her, like what? This like only he can know because he's God. You are right when you say you have no husband. In fact, you have had five husbands and the man you are now uh, with is not your husband. What you have said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Let's talk about this woman, this Samaritan woman. She's already experiencing racism in the land she lives in from the Jews. And she is a woman, and a woman at that time had very little social status. You see, if, if someone, if we find out uh, someone's story and they had been married five times, um, you would probably think, you know, people that get married a bunch of times, uh, going back to the famous people, Hollywood, there's a term called a Hollywood marriage. And a Hollywood marriage is a big, glamorous wedding and a ceremony. And then the, this, the marriage lasts very Short. It's a short, it just, that there's a term Hollywood marriage because it unfortunately happens a lot. I was going to read for you a bunch of names and like so-and-so was only married 56 hours. So-and-so was only married six days. But I thought these are real people. Let's just cut to it and say, that's just kind of 
the society we live in. And so if we have glasses reading the story, 21st century glasses through our lens, we look at this story and say, oh, this woman being married five times, she must have been like some rich, wealthy, famous woman who's just kind of rolling through men. But if you take those glasses off, the glasses that we wear as 21st century citizens, and you put them in your pocket, and you reach into your other pocket, and you pull out first century glasses, and you look at this story, well, then some, some ideas become very clear that in the first century, women did not have a place in society. Unfortunately, they were considered property. A woman could for no reason divorce her husband, but instead a, a man could divorce his wife for any reason. A Jewish rabbi at the time said a man could even divorce his wife if she burnt the dinner. Like that's, I mean, maybe you giggle and you look at your spouse, you burnt the dinner, but this is like... The re- this is a real thing. Like, like men had all the authority, women were considered property. And so with these first century glasses, consider that this woman has been thrown aside. One, two, three, four, five. Either those spouses died or she has been divorced five times. And she's now with a man who will not even marry her and give her th- that status of being married. And so she's, she's, I wrote it down this way, a woman with the lowest status from a hated race in one of the worst areas in the worst town. I, I told you I would tell you what that word Sychar, she's from the town of Sychar. It means town of drunkards. Like think about being like, that's the name of your town. Like that's a horrible place to be from, a horrible place to be. She's going through the toughest time in her life and Jesus comes to her a God appointment, a divine appointment. Jesus, fully God, fully human, visits this woman. And may I just say that this is a metaphor for how any of us can interact and encounter God. We come before him in our need and he meets us where we are. Point number three is this, Jesus restores dignity. Jesus restores dignity. Don't even, uh, I think some people think that Christians are the kind of people that bring people down and Christians are the kind of people that uh, judge people just to put them down. Jesus isn't like that. And, And Jesus is someone who brings dignity to people. This woman even just asked, how is it that you're even talking to me? Have you ever talked to someone or maybe you've, you've you know, been in the presence of someone awesome and you're like, oh, why are you even talking to me? This is what's going on here. This woman is just surprised that he is even talking to her and Jesus engages the conversation and asks her for a drink. He certainly could have just pointed to her and said, give me a drink from the well. And she would have, that, that would have been like the status of the day to just command someone to do that. But Jesus breaks that mold. Jesus is not racist. Jesus lifts this woman up, dignifies her, and asks her, can you get me a drink of water? I think it's the difference of, like, if you're a parent asking your kid to do something or telling them to do something. They have a crayon. They're about to color on the wall. And you could say, give me the crayon, you little monsters. (laughs) That's one way of parenting. Another way would be, I see you like artwork. I see you're an artist. Could you help me keep the house clean, though? Would you give me the crayon? It's much more dignifying. If you, if you work somewhere and you have a boss, then your boss, you know, by definition, he could just tell you to do things. You know, put the cover on the TPS report. Or he could ask you, bringing you up, giving you dignity. You know how we value the covers on the TPS reports? Would you mind 
putting the cover on the TPS report. Think about this. Jesus asks her for water. It's not a command type of language. And she is just like, why are you talking to me? Like, I imagine tears. We have no idea. But I imagine the, the, the seriousness of this conversation where this Jewish man in her eyes is talking to her and she's finding out that he knows things. He is a prophet. That's what she says. And I think she, she even says, maybe testing. I'm not really sure if we put those first century glasses back on. She says, Jacob is our father. You know, Jesus says, I have water to give you that you will never be thirsty again. And she says, are you greater than our father, Jacob? Now, if Jesus wanted to be uh, true and correct, he could have pointed out that actually, you know, you Samaritans ancestors are not the descendants of Jacob. You're half-breeds and you've been bred out and really Jacob cannot be your father technically because it's too far removed and and your Assyrians are really your father. He could have said that, but instead Jesus in the situation, he's bringing her up. He's dignifying her. She's just listening. And I think as a pastor, maybe some of you experience this as well. If people know you're Christian, people just come up to you and, and throw out things just to see what you will do. People come up to me, find out I'm a pastor and say things like, hey, just want to let you know I'm gay. Hey, just want to let you know I have a transgender child. Hey, just want to let you know that I smoke pot and it's really great. I just want to let you know that blah, blah, blah. People come up to me and test me. And my response is usually, okay, that's it. That's what I say. Okay. And they, they are like, oh, well, okay, let's talk about something else. And I think if... If someone wanted to engage, what do you think about that? What is the Christian uh, thought on this? What is the Christian philosophy, the Christian belief on this issue? If they asked that, then I would share, and I would share in a loving way and dignify them. But I think some people just kind of want to test this. Like, are, the, are, the, are you the kind of Christians who are going to be judgmental and push us down and step on us? Or are you the kind of person that just wants to listen and wants to be someone who gently guides people to encounter the living God? In my role as a pastor, as a shepherd, I think about this a lot. Uh, trying to think of every other person. I'm not good at it, but I try. It's, it's something the Lord calls us all to do is to think of every person better than ourselves. To try to lift people up to listen to them, to dignify them. This is what Jesus is doing here. If I just took that little piece and and talked about it for just a second. But wells, this metaphor of wells, this metaphor of springs, this metaphor of creeks and water, we live in a very arid climate in Manitou and we're blessed that there's springs that, that flow out of the earth and they taste good no matter what the tourists tell you. They really do taste good. Uh, and we have creeks and they're clear. And we just we live in a land where we, the metaphor of water is one for us as Manitoids. It's a real thing. Like people came, our history is that people came here because they were sick and they thought the mountain air and the mineral water would heal them of things like tuberculosis, which it doesn't technically work, but they thought it did. And so our town got this name of like the healing waters of Manitou. And if you leave uh, going west, you'll look back and see a sign. This is Manitou Springs, healing waters. And I just think this metaphor is very important for us as Manitoids here, thinking about this story that Jesus is saying There's water in our lives. There's wells we can drink from, and some of those wells are dirty. Some of those wells are are okay to drink from, but we just keep having having to go back. And Jesus offers this woman, and, and by the way, he offers all of us to drink of the water he gives us and to never be thirsty again. And this woman hears this, and she says, yeah, 
I know that when the Christ comes, he will explain all this stuff to us. She's aware of, of some theology and what's going on. And Jesus says, the one talking to you right now, I am he. Wow, mind blown. She instantly becomes a believer. How do I know? Because she goes out and she goes and tells everyone. She arguably becomes, you know, before the disciples are sent out, she's the first evangelist. She is in this story. It changes her life. And I think it can change all of our lives. We look at this story and say, Lord, we want to encounter you like this, to model our lives in such a way that when you come to us, we leave and we are never the same. I want to read a passage over you. It's, it's a passage, just this story, thinking about New Life Manitou, thinking about when we started and when Manitou, this congregation was just an idea. Uh, if you've been around, you've heard this passage quite a bit. It's kind of our theme. It's Isaiah 41, and uh, you could look at it r- later. I, w- I want you to just um, to meditate on this. In fact, if you would, would you stand with me? I'm going to read this passage in a, in a prayerful way. In the band, you guys can come up. If you're serving communion, you can come forward as well to begin to prepare the communion elements. And I want to read this passage of scripture. It, it, it talks about water. It is the metaphor that is hinted at in, here in the Old Testament that Jesus then takes and says, there is water that you can drink. And when you drink this water, you will never be the same. You will be filled up from the inside out. So listen to this passage, Isaiah 41, starting in verse 17. And it's this, it says, when the poor and needy search for water and there is none. Think about all of us being in some way like the Samaritan woman, just being in a state of, we, we were honest, we need. We've, we come and we're in need. When the poor and needy search for water and there is none, their tongues are parched, from thirst, then I, the Lord, will answer them. I, the God of Israel, will never abandon them. I will open up rivers for them on the high plateaus. I will give them fountains of water in the valley. I will fill the desert with pools of water, and rivers fed by springs will flow across the parched ground. I will plant trees in the barren desert. Think about trees being the symbol of deep watering wells. And these are all big trees. The cedar, acacia, myrtle, olive, cypress, and fir, and pine. And I am doing this so that all who see this miracle, they will understand what it means. The Lord is bringing water and it's, it's water from the inside out. It's like springs bubbling in us. Why does the Lord want everyone to know that he does this? The mystery, the miracle is this, that the Lord is the one who has done this. The Holy One of Israel has created it.